I V M. Hey, Raghavi, what's your opinion on revenge? Oh, I don't think it works at all. Okay, but like, what if you get closure from it? Ah, closure. See, closure, as Bojack Horseman once said, oh. is a made-up thing. I can't believe you throw you throw Bojack Horseman into my face because it works but, on you. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. But but but, what do you do when you're like pissed off with someone? Um, I usually just eat my weight in cake or something. What? You don't ever want to like punch them in the face or like I don't know trick all their friends into leaving them by spreading a terrible rumor about them? Whoa, no, I. Don't have the time or patience to plan any of that. What do you do when you're pissed? Uh, what, what what you said the the cake cake eating thing same same z's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever wondered why women don't do more crime? Well, we're here to tell you. There's misconduct all the time. Women are thieves and murderers. That's gross misconduct. Con artists, money launderers, mm, criminal misconduct, financial fraud that's hard to track. Takes some planning, but still misconduct. Even breaching a contract. Well, that's more civil, though. It's misconduct, misconduct. We tell you all about women that suck, things that make you say, "What the?" It's misconduct. Hello, 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 and welcome to Misconduct. We are a podcast on which we talk about Indian women that did some illegal, sometimes unethical things, and occasionally we also talk about women from Indian mythology that may have also done some bad things. My name is Raghavi, and I am Nisha. And today we will be talking about Unni Archer, a famed heroine from the old ballads of Kerala, a state located at the southwesternmost tip of India. Unni Archer is not a real person. She is a character from the Vadakkan Pattakal. Vadakkan Pattakal are the northern ballads of the Malabar region. The ballads speak of Unni Archer as a warrior, and today she is considered a famous female icon produced by uh, Malayalam literature. Unni Archer is revered for her bravery, her beauty, her independence, and her insane culinary fighter skills. Uh, this is a Malabar martial art form that is practiced extensively even today. But most importantly, at least important to this episode, is that Unni Archer is known for two things: one, her undying loyalty to her clan, and two, her horrific revenge against the man who killed her brother. Oh, heavy, heavy! Mm. Uh, now this is an episode about a woman from folklore, from literature, of course. She is important to a lot of people, even if she was likely. a violent woman who was out looking for revenge and that's because surprise surprise even ancient works of literature understood that women can be many things <laughs> they can be strong they can be vindictive and skilled and prideful and beautiful all at once are you listening chetan bhagat are you listening women can be many things <laughs> um but yes we will be respectful and tell you what the ballads say similar to what we did for our episode on kannagi she is also an extremely important figure in tamil literature even if she did burn an entire capital city down to ashes and dust <laughs> uh, and even though this is an episode on a fictional woman we still have to say this the podcast is not suitable for children listener discretion is advised girl you know what time it is what it's context time <laughs> first i'll start with what i'm not covering okay and what is that just everything about kerala and the malabar coast in general mm-hmm. it's too much 
you guys have Google. Yes. Most of you have smartphones. You can figure out where Kerala is located, <laughs> what it's famous for. You can sort through thousands of years of history at your own leisure. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time for that today, so we won't be covering it. We will, of course, say the food is excellent. Mm, I know. The food is so good. But what will you be covering today? Sure, we'll talk about two major things in today's context setting section. Mm-hmm. First one is the Vadakam particle. And the second one is Kalari particle. Yes. Now, Vadakam particle quite literally means songs of the north. Uh, they're basically a collection of ballads in Malayalam from the medieval period as their songs. They are, mm-hmm. of course, oral renditions. Yeah. Um, and because of that, the stories may have deviated from the original over some time, right? Hmm. So now we specifically have looked far and wide to figure out where these songs came from, what are their origins. Hmm. But they seem to have been first sung around the 16th century. But that may be only because the written reproductions of the ballads can be traced back to the 16th century. Hmm. The songs could be much, much older. Um, we also look for a composer, someone we can definitively say that, yes, this man or woman composed them. Yeah, but unfortunately, we didn't find anything to attribute the songs to any specific uh, writer. Mm-hmm. However, if you, dear listeners, have any more information on this or even any sort of historical evidence that states there's a definitive composer of these songs, please write to us. We want this information. If you know more, please tell us. Oh, definitely. And you might know more. Do you have a Malayali grandparent? You likely oh, know more than yes. us already. <laughs> That's right. Um, so the songs basically talk about many, many heroes, including Munircha and her brother Aromal Chekkavar. Hmm. Now, these heroes are often even regarded as deities by some communities in North Kerala. The songs center around two major families, the Tacholi Manikot family, who are hmm. from the Nair community, and the Puthuram family, who are from the Tiar community. Now, the exploits of these warriors from these communities basically forms the crux of the Vadakam particle. Hmm. And what did they have in common, you ask? I didn't ask. But now I'm curious. Tell, tell. Yes, the one thing they had in common between all of these warriors is Kalaripayate, which is an hmm. old martial tradition of Kerala. So, as Nisha mentioned earlier, Kalaripayate is a very, very old martial arts, probably one of the oldest surviving martial arts in India, and in fact, even the world. Um, oh. In terms of historic evidence, it's been in practice for at least three centuries. Mm. Uh, the word Kalaripayate, if you roughly translate it, basically means training in the art of the battlefield. Mm. Now, it's really not clear whether the Vadakam particle are responsible for the rise of Kalari or whether Kalari was you know, just a popular art. And that's the reason Vadakam particle became their cult status, you know? Mm. Yeah. And again, uh, if you know more about this, more about Kalari Paita, more about, Mm -hmm. you know, the history and why there's such a, you know, how it gained its significance, please tell us, please. Yeah. Especially, you know, the uh, sort of confluence between Vadakam particle and Kalari because the art form and the ballads, at this point, they seem to be inseparable. Hmm. Uh, Kalari, of course, like any traditional martial art, is really rooted in the physical as well as the spiritual. Uh, The art form required very little or extremely light body armor because it's actually based more on the individual's flexibility than brute strength. Hmm. Uh, They also have light weaponry. Uh, They use strikes, kicks, grappling techniques, and of course, they have very elaborate healing methods to, you know, mm. gradually allow practitioners to grow stronger, both mentally and physically. But the core aspect of Kalari, and this is something that really, really excited me, is that Kalari is sex and caste neutral. Yay! I know. So Kalari is open to just about anyone. And women in Kerala in particular also underwent training of when they were children itself, especially mm. in medieval times. Historically, this training is actually almost considered mandatory. 
for all children in Kerala, you know, similar to how we did physical training in school. Yeah, except I hope no one like shamed you if you didn't want to run around or, or like play Coco or whatever when you're <laughs> on your period. Oh my God. Oh God, yeah. I hate PE. Dude, like I have never met a PE teacher that I truly liked. Yes. Okay. They were all kind of trash and they were just so mean to everyone. Like for no reason. Yeah. If you like forgot your shorts to wear under your skirt, you know, you'd get your ass handed to you if you didn't cut your nails. Just dumb things like that yeah and i mean if that's your problem just let girls wear shorts man yeah. why is actually you know what we had that divided skirt thing do you remember that i do remember that yeah we had to wear school. shorts under that yeah i why? don't know what the point of that skirt was just okay i think anyway. they just made us buy more fabric for the yes heck of it. that's exactly what it was yes yeah. uh i i think the idea is it's shorts, but we can't see your legs. Aha, girls, your modesty Yay. is protected. I am now preserved. I'm pure. Thank you, patriarchy. <laughs> anyway, so before this uh, deviation, we were talking about how colory is sex neutral. That is, mm-hmm. either men or women could practice it. Is colory gender neutral, however? Uh, we actually don't know. The Vadakan particle looks at the two sexes, that's men and women, and that's kind of it. And yep. if this was indeed composed and distributed in the 16th century, then you know what? Extending something so important to women generally is already a big win oh, for its time. That's, that's, so that's we're not really going to question it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, something to remember about Kerala during the medieval period was Kalari was used extensively to settle disputes. Mm-hmm. So think of it like a duel, except you don't shoot from a distance. This is not Hamilton. Uh, you engage in hand-to-hand combat to settle a dispute. Mm -hmm. So this was called an angam, quite literally just battle in Malayalam. Mm -hmm. A cool thing about angam was you were given a lot of time to prepare for it if if you needed it. So when two individuals decided to duel Mm -hmm. it out in an angam, they could be given up to 12 years to train themselves with all the possible ways that they could in, in combat, in weaponry, in strategy, all so that they can be absolutely proficient when they do engage in the angam. In some cases, you could even nominate someone else to perform the angam in, in your stead. Ah, yes. Outsourcing. Yes, We're so good at it. <laughs> also, in the 19th century, Kalari sort of declined in popularity across the state. And mm-hmm. that was because the British, Aha. they banned it. You, nobody ever says the British and then follows it up with something fun. <laughs> The British make bland food. Yes. The British colonized everyone. <laughs> the British, they just suck. Yes. It's the worst. <laughs> correct. Correct. That's the one. That's what it was. The British gave newspapers, maybe. Oh, okay, fine. They gave us trains, I guess. Yes, yes. But they took all our diamonds. <laughs> Gib. Gib coiner. <laughs> Gib stone. Gib stone. Uh, so, the British banned Kalari. <laughs> For 13 years, between 1793 and 1806, the region saw the waging of the Kotayattu War, which was a rebellion led by King Parsi Raja Kerala Varma. That's a powerful name. Uh, this was against the East India Company. The East India Company tried to shake him off, but it was particularly difficult. In November 1805, however, Parsi Raja died when he was shot by the uh, EIC forces and immediately Kalari was banned all the training grounds across the state it was it was banned across all of those 
there were many gurukuls that continued training in secret but it mm-hmm. still couldn't be practiced freely so this impacted the identities of many communities in kerala in a pretty negative way and therefore it just became a very helpful tool for the british to divide up the lands yeah that actually reminds me if you are in calicut please visit the payasi raja museum mm-hmm. and art gallery there's apparently an entire exhibit on his life and how he engaged in guerrilla warfare in the hills of wayanad especially mm-hmm. against the brits i've actually never been but i personally love supporting museums especially you know with historical artifacts such as these yeah uh, it's really all we have left you know after years of systematic destruction of our history yeah. so please support them yes um i i'm not very great at making jokes but i'm going to take a stab at it uh, okay. ragavi knock knock who's there gallery pipe gallery pipe who knife to meet you is <laughs> <laughs> gusting <laughs> okay with this let's just take a teeny tiny break um and nisha please go think about what you just did uh when we get back who was unni archa and what was her big deal let's find out welcome back from the break so let's get into the story of unni archa unni archa was from the putturam family of katanad a family that was known across malabar as a clan of fierce warriors both male and female alike kind of like the spartans um it appears that they actually originated from elam the predominantly tamil part of sri lanka this is according to our primary source for this folktale which is a book by pushpa kurup it's called power women a journey into hindu mythology and folklore mm-hmm. unni archa's father was called a chekkavar which is a warrior subcast of the tiya community mm-hmm. in his lifetime he is said to have won at least 41 kalari duels mm-hmm. he was a legend to say the least Unniyatta also had two brothers Aromal and Unnikannan. Mm-hmm. Aromal is important to this story. Also we're just going to call her Archa from this point on. It's just two fewer syllables. Yes. Call her whole name. No, Archa. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Archa was trained in kalari from the age of 7. She was known for her skill and practice and was a village favorite as well. Mm-hmm. She was also known for her beauty. She was having like dusky golden skin and dimpled cheeks. Yes, but did she use sunscreen? And no man, she probably used like manjal or something. That's fair. <laughs> uh when she was 14 years old, she was married to fellow kalari enthusiast named Attu Manamel Kuniraman. Mm-hmm. Attu was looking to gain Archa's affections for a very long time, having fallen mm-hmm. in love with her. I mean, clearly Our girl is a boss. Uh, he befriended her brother Aromal and eventually asked for her hand in marriage. And Archan and her family said yes. Now this actually was not normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in her community, it was actually considered appropriate to marry within the clan. Yep, yep. She should have ideally been wed to either her father's sister's son or mother's brother's son. So Atte Payan or yeah. Mama Payan. Correct. Exactly uh-huh. okay. that one. Um, so today, that practice would be frowned upon because you mm-hmm. know science, and we've come to understand that inbreeding is kind of bad for your gene pool, man. Nisha, hmm? do you know what is the best cousin to marry? What? What is the best? I don't know your second. No cousin at all. <laughs> <laughs> don't marry your cousins. Yes, well done, Raghavi. Um, so yeah, so but however, this was how power was retained within the clan back in the day. Mm-hmm. unless like you were akbar the great or whatever you weren't really going to get a chance to marry outside of your community that's fair um and one such man who would have ideally been betrothed to archa was chandru now chandru was an orphan boy who was raised by archa's father so he wasn't technically a relative but he did possess 
you know all the entitlement mm-hmm. that made him feel that archa belonged to him of course uh, but arumal did not like chandru and he did not want his sister to be wed to him for as far as we understand archa didn't like him either Hmm. So also in the community a woman can only be married to a man who was recognized as a kalari warrior hmm. having gone through the requisite training and chandru had not undergone that rite of passage in any case just to sum it up no one wanted to marry chandru but chandru wanted to marry archa uh except archa was like no i'm going to marry her too and uh, this really pissed off chandru because archa obviously rejected him it's weird when you say chandru cuz that's my dad's name that yeah i know as i said it i was just like uncle <laughs> but The funny thing is in a lot of places that I read they refer to him as Chandu which actually makes more sense ah. to me because when my dad was working in Kerala a lot of people mm-hmm. used to call him Chandu. Oh. Maybe it's a Kerala thing. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so this whole thing was kind of uh you know quite a waste in hindsight because Archa went to her husband's new home and she was met with a lot of hostility. Mm-hmm. Turns out that Attu also had someone he was expected to be betrothed to that was <gasps> his cousin Talu. No man, just uh, <laughs> uh, and then his family ended up treating Archa quite badly. Uh, mm-hmm. In return, Archa, who was raised to defend herself in any circumstance, would politely be like, "Get lost." <laughs> <laughs> so when her father asked her to be cordial with them, she is known to have said, "You won't get Unni Archa for that," mm-hmm. indicating that. To be with Unni Archa would mean you should expect some level of sass, which I mean. <laughs> I get it. You go, girl. Samezies. Her husband loved her though, and she was more than capable of just standing up to her in-laws. So mm-hmm. there was some version of peace uh, in mm-hmm. her household. That's right. Now Unircha, as we know, was still a trained culinary expert, and she did not want to let these skills go to waste. Hmm. Um, especially with her husband and father's encouragement, she would often go to tournaments. Hmm. One such tournament that she wanted to go to was at the Temple Festival of Ali Malarkavu. to get there though she had to go through an area called nadapuram hmm. and it was rife with bandits and goons so women in particular were warned not to go into the area for you know fear of being kidnapped or hmm. abused by goons her family tried to dissuade her but it appears archa was headstrong as you can see <laughs> the last 5 yes. minutes of her summarizing her life um so instead her family was like fine we'll go with you i guess <laughs> Best. And of course, she and her husband, who ended up going, they ended up getting ambushed in a mm-hmm. forested area by these bandits. So they said her husband basically admonished her at this point. Of course, who doesn't love a good "I told you so" from a man? Mm, I love being judged by a man. <laughs> uh, but Archer's husband was right. This was classic Adiga Prasangita. <laughs> nice. But Archer responded to him by saying, "I, being a woman, do not tremble. Why then, you, a man?" quiver at the sight of these fellows as a member of the putram clan i don't even fear if there are a thousand men Ooh. big words i know but <laughs> she's got the skill to back them up yeah, because yeah that's that's so <laughs> yeah that's the only I, reason you can say those things i know it's 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 arrogance that comes from talent basically yes. um and archa just basically beat those men back in blue and yes. they were forced to accept defeat in fact these men rushed back to their leader mm. and the leader who was like oh okay sent his <laughs> wife to go and pacify archa yeah more like to make sure she doesn't like kill all of the men that's a great strategy though so the yes. wife when she went she took a lot of gold and jewelry with her mm. uh, asking archa to please leave them alone <laughs> so archa took the gold but she had one more condition she insisted that all women passing by nadapuram should be granted safe passage hmm. a feminist for our times not yes. our times 16th century yes, yes <laughs> nonetheless um, and the goons had to agree so archa went off home with all this gold having somehow achieved 
safe passage for women through this forest area. She went home and she took this gold and handed it over to her in-laws and she told them proudly, I have brought your son back safe and sound. Oh, <laughs> what? Like, this is so cool. <laughs> I know. Uh, over time, Archa, who settled well into her family home, had become pregnant. Her brother, Aromal, asked her to train the child in colouring and name the kid after him. And Archa agreed because she loved her brother dearly. Uh, but in a few short weeks before the birth of her child, Aromal was challenged to a duel by a man named Aringodar. Mm-hmm. Aringodar was much more experienced than Aromal, having won at least 18 colouries so far. Mm-hmm. But Pride made Aromal accept the challenge and he prepared for the battle. Mm-hmm. So Archa pleaded with her brother not to take it up because she felt like something was off, probably just mm-hmm. intuition. Like why would a man who has won so many prestigious battles ask her brother, who was still in training to duel with him, something just mm-hmm. felt off. Uh, but Aromal just said, if something happens to me, you have your son. Name him after me and train him well. Mm-hmm. On the day of the duel, Aromal fought well, but he was faltering against just the mere size of experience that Aringodar had. Mm-hmm. To help him, Aromal's father appointed Chandu to assist him. Chandu as in the man who originally wanted to marry Archa? Mm-hmm, that's mm. the one. Sounds shady, right? Yeah, very. So the battle began, the men fought valiantly until Aromal's sword broke in two. Now, it so happens that Aringodar was not a man of good honour. He had paid a blacksmith off to make Aromal a defective sword. But no matter because Chandu was there to hand over a substitute to Aromal. Except Chandu was nowhere to be seen. <gasps> Who would have guessed? Dun, dun, dun. So, when the sword broke, Aromal desperately looked around for Chandu to hand the substitute weapon. But while he was fighting Aringodar with his bare hands. But Chandu had just vanished. And Aromal persisted, however, and somehow gathered one end of the broken sword to defend himself. And by just a pure act of courage and skill, Aromal managed to use the broken sword to decapitate Aringodar. And thus, Aromal won. Okay, okay, this ended better than I thought. But he was like exhausted and as the crowd cheered, he just collapsed on the ground. Happy but completely spent. Mm. And in that moment, he spotted Chandu. Chandu was running towards him, carrying a weapon. Aromal thought, well, better late than never, right? Nope. Wrong. Chandra brought the sword, stood over Aromal and with a wide evil smile, he pierced Aromal's belly with a sword. No! Yeah. Yeah. And Aromal, who was already heavily injured, died on the spot. The crowd erupted into madness. Mm -hmm. Archa, who obviously witnessed the murder of her brother, jumped to the field to avenge his death immediately. But the girl was pregnant, yo. She couldn't Mm. get far. By the time she made it to Aromal, Chandra had fled from the site. Now, Archa obviously was distraught and she promised Aromal's lifeless body that she would avenge his death. In time, through her grief, she gave birth to a baby boy who she named Aromaloni. And her sister-in-law, who is Aromal's wife, gave birth to a boy around the same time as well. And he was named Kanappanuni. And Archa took it upon herself, basically, to train both boys extensively in Kalari. Now, Archa, of course, wanted to avenge her brother personally. But Hmm. the fact was, she was older by now. Her body was affected by childbirth and she obviously lived a pretty comfortable lifestyle at home. Hmm. So hmm. She, she needed someone young, you know, someone hot-blooded who could yes. really translate her thirst for revenge into actual action. Hmm. And she knew her son and her nephew would be the right people to do this. Hmm. Uh, so the thing is, she was in the process of training these two boys and unfortunately, another tragedy hit Archa's family. So remember her husband, Attu? Yes. He had sought to battle Aringodar's younger brother, 
you know, also to avenge Aromal's death. How much avenging man will they all do? This is worse than the plot of race. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But unfortunately, Atu wasn't as skilled as Arumal or even Archa. Mm. And he was killed very quickly. And apparently his body was cut up into 12 pieces. Whoa. Archa now was a widow. By the way, at the age of 21. Oh my goodness. She got married at 14, remember? It just oh, kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, how did Archa take this, you ask? Oh, she went to a grief counsellor and she took all this out by journaling. No, that is... No. <laughs> journaling did not exist at the time. And a counsellor was likely just the moon. You just talked to the moon. <laughs> no, but she did look up at the sky anyway. And she said, If there is any justice in the world, I will avenge my brother and my husband by drawing the blood of the family that felled them. Until then, I will not tie my hair up. It will flow free till it is stained with my enemy's blood. Damn. We see this in the Kanagi episode as well, right? Like when women get pissed off when they're out for revenge, the first thing they do is open your hair. (laughs) Yeah. I do that too. When I'm really mad, I'm just like, when I'm like arguing with Amazon on customer service, I just like... (laughs) Virtify my hair and I'm just like, I will fell you. I will drown you in the blood of my enemies. Actually, I do the opposite. Like, because if I'm going to do something, I can't have my hair in my face. I always put it. So if I put my hair up, it means business. Oh, no, you should stand, uh, you know, where the wind is blowing in your direction. Ah, So it's mm -hmm. like very elegantly (laughs) just sort of flowing around. Also wear red lipstick. That really helps. Done. Next time. So, Archa went back to training the boys with new purpose. At the age of 12, both boys debuted their skill at their Arangetram, which is a show of their skills for the first time to a public audience. I actually think it's really cool that the word Arangetram is used because Mm. I watched Kalari performances. Dude, it's almost like they're dancing, you know? Yeah, it kind of is. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, have you ever seen the, uh, I mean, I'm sure you would have, the Avatar, The Last Airbender, the TV show? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The TV show. The yes, movie. the TV show, not the movie. My God, mm-hmm. not the movie. Uh, I feel Kalari is is so similar to like the air bending and water bending styles. It's just like oh. flowy and smooth. So it, it kind of does look like they're dancing. That's true. Actually, fun fact, nobody asked, but my cats, they're both named after characters yes. from Avatar The Last Airbender. So Zuko, who is, you know, the Fire Nation prince and mm-hmm. Momo, who is that dumb little flying lemur thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, so back to the story. Mm-hmm. After the Arangetram, Archa sent the boys off to find Chandu. Apparently, he was in hiding this whole time for fear that he would be killed by Archa's skilled pupils. Mm-hmm. And he was right. <laughs> uh, but he couldn't. Like, you can run, but you cannot hide. And that yeah. worked. Uh, the boys found Chandu and they killed him. I'm, I'm not sure if they dueled him. Was it like a old-fashioned stealth kill? But Chandru did die. Uh, and when Archa heard of this news, she was delighted. Mm-hmm. Um, she instructed the boys to bring his severed head back to her. She took mm-hmm. the head and gave it to her father as a present. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> no one has ever loved me enough to give me a severed head as a present. Don't the cats like constantly bring dead animals to you? Yeah, but only lizards and never the heads. It's the whole body usually. I'm assuming the heads are most yummy. So they're just like, I leave this part. No, actually, I think they bring the whole thing to me so I can eat it. Oh, so cute. Yeah, I think they think I'm really bad at hunting for myself. (laughs) Okay, so now the story doesn't really end here, by the way. Mm. It gets more gross somehow. Uh, It appears Archa wasn't just done with killing Chandu. That's kind of not, was not enough for her. 
टू मेक इट क्लियर टू ऑल द क्लैंडमैन दैट शी के नॉट बी मेस्ट अराउंड विद अर्चा पुट चंदूज हेड ऑन अ बाइक एंड डिस्प्लेड इट आउटसाइड द हाउस एंड सो फियरफुल वॉज द एंटायर रीजन ऑफ यू नो अर्चा स्पेसिफिकली दे वॉज सो स्केर ऑफ हर दैट नो वन रियली क्वेश्चन दिस display of human flesh yeah. they just went about their days and pretend like everything was normal <laughs> nobody like made eye contact with that thing, you know <laughs> in fact it said even the vultures and other scavengers in the area were so scared of archa that they refused to touch the head mm. so chandu's head basically rotted in the sun over many many weeks and stood there as a symbol of archa's anger oh god in that kerala heat and humidity it was just there <laughs> oh my but god. you know what i guess you know climate change was nothing then so Yeah, but Kerala is always like hot and humid. It's Maybe also it rains a lot. Can you? Just... Oh, that's oh. <laughs> oh, there's still like more to the story, but we don't want to get too into it. But yeah. apparently, Archa's son Arumalunni uh, moved to Tulunadu after killing Chandu in order to continue his studies under another Gurukul. Mm-hmm. Here he fell in love with a woman called Kunji Makum. Uh, she was a fellow student at the Kalari School as well. Except Kunji Makum was dot dot dot. Chandu's daughter. Oh, I didn't I, know this, even though yes, I wrote this episode. Unni <laughs> uh, Acha came to know about this, and she tried to fix another match for her son, but he refused. Mm-hmm. And oh. legend says that when Archa met Kunji Makum, she was mm-hmm. kind of reminded of herself. She saw the same like determination and skill that Archa once possessed as a young Kalari student. Oh. And Archa then said. If my son wants to marry the daughter of his father's killer, then that's his choice. I'm getting some heavy Oedipus vibes, aren't you? I mean, this entire story is no. You marry your cousin or your <laughs> so yeah. Let's just accept it and move on. That's fair. Uh, Unni Archa had the couple married in a very lavish ceremony. Then she mm-hmm. left on a pilgrimage to Omalur Temple. Mm-hmm. She told her son and new daughter-in-law to visit her on the seventh day of her pilgrimage, and they did. However. they did not find archa in the temple they found mm-hmm. her on the banks of the river lifeless um archa having completed her promise to her brother and her husband spent her final days at the temple and decided to join the rest of her family in the afterlife well that was beautiful mm-hmm. terrifying but beautiful but you know what's just plain beautiful mm. the lovely shows we have for you on ivm hey, yay <laughs> let's take a little break Welcome back after the break. So we know this by now. Unniyarcha is incredibly important for Kerala and its literary history. But is there any way you can find out more about her without having to read a book? You know, because you likely have no Malayalam to read it, not because yes. you don't read. Um, so you're in luck. There are six movies that have been made about her. Movies Perfect. and TV shows, actually. Hmm. Um, this includes adaptations that were made in 1961, 1972, 1989, and 2002. and we have not watched any of them because we couldn't find them on any platform at all also you know we don't like to pirate movies it is wrong yes, you wouldn't steal a what is that what is that ad that used to come you wouldn't download a car aha yes you wouldn't download a car <laughs> i mean i guess now you would have to because most cars are oh that's true yeah Damn. Oh, well. But yes, we don't like to pirate movies. Although, if you do pirate, please make sure you see your torrents because it's important to give back to the community. You know, just putting <laughs> it out there. Um, also, the 1961 movie adaptation in particular 
it was the very first one representing a story from the varakan particle on mm. screen and this inspired several more period pieces especially with like northern malabar ballads mm. um it was so well received apparently both critically and commercially that it just sort of paved the way for varakan folklore to just make its way into mainstream cinema yeah and this representation is really important right to be able to definitively say yes an integral part of my community's literature has made its way into mainstream recognition it's mm-hmm. so important for every community to feel that way in some measure or the other so i'm just i'm really glad it happened yeah but there's also some controversy isn't there about one of the other movies that were made on oniarcha yes yes there is um mm-hmm. in 1989 mt vasudevan nair's film on oniarcha it drew some ire from audiences So this film was called Oruvadakan Veerakadai which translated to mean a northern ballad of courage. I know most of my pronunciations are like more skewed towards Tamil so if I'm wrong please correct me. You are wrong. Uh, it's Veerakada. <laughs> okay fine. <Veerakata>. I'm sorry. <laughs> no it's okay I get it. It's it makes sense but uh, we're trying our best guys this is genuinely yes, really yes, hard are. for us. Yeah. Uh so in this movie they depicted Archa in a very different way from the original ballad. So Archa was written to be like an adulterous woman of low morals who enticed Chandu and then dumped him when it didn't suit her needs. It wouldn't surprise you that Chandu was played by superstar Mamuti uh-huh. who was uh, depicted as a misunderstood man who needed to fix his reputation after it's like sullied by Archa. Mm-hmm. The ending with his death is actually depicted as a tragedy. Hmm. By the way, Mamuti won the national award for this movie and it's of course it's received both like commercial and critical success. Mm-hmm. But years later with the advantage of hindsight, uh many view <laughs> this movie as you know the patriarchy winning over a woman's tale of valor. Mm-hmm. Uh and to be fair, this won't be the first or the last time that happens. Sure, Archa did some awful things, but her story is very important to Northern Malabar identity. So, some yeah. people found this depiction to be very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we also don't know what the true version of the story even is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of like the time when I first read Mahabharat, like from those uh, Amar Chitra Amar Chitra Kathas. Yeah. yeah, and you tend to feel like, ah, oh, Kauravas, you know, Karna, bad people. They deserve everything that came to them, and Pandavas are the best, and things like that. But like, as you grow up and you read more books, like either the one by C Rajgopalachari or or even Jaya uh, by Devdatt Patnayak you really you start to realize that these stories are so grey like everyone has their own motives and reasons for what they do i think that's fair i, I mean like that is the artistic liberty that you should be able to take as a mm. filmmaker you know and that's why representation is important because it's it's a different perspective it's important yeah. in any art form and sure this may have upset some people but it's within the artist's prerogative to do that if it doesn't do well commercially that's fine but he should be able to put it out and that's what's important yeah fair also aside from the movies unniarcha is also a brand of jewelry that's run and operated by a woman divya nambiar mm-hmm. all the uh, marketing material and the images on their website it looks exactly like the stuff that someone from north malabar would wear mm-hmm. in fact the entire line was inspired by unniarcha herself which is It is very cool. Um I understand that Archa loved to wear a lot of jewelry, uh mm-hmm. stuff that accentuated her feminine side. Mm-hmm. And the final accessory that she adds to her wardrobe is this giant ass sword that she uses <laughs> to wreak havoc, which is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you kind of idolize her, don't you? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> And that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. Wow, this was a quick one, huh? it was it was yeah. i'm thinking maybe i should add a sword to my 
like accessories. It just seems like a cool thing to do. You want one? I can get you one. Yes. Yeah. Cool. It'll be blunt though because you know that's just responsible. No. <laughs> oh. However, if you, the listeners, like us, please review us on Apple Podcasts and Audible. You can also leave a little heart on Spotify. Yes. We'll put the links for all of this in our Instagram bio. Speaking of Instagram bio, yes, yes, you can find us on Instagram. My handle is at just dot nishful dot thinking, and my handle is at ragi dot tose. Uh, somebody wrote to us on Instagram saying it was really hard to find our handles. It's in the episode description. It's right yes. there. Just, yes. just look at it right now. Quickly go look at it. It's right there. <laughs> and we'll also have all of the sources and all of the information on our blog, so you can mm-hmm. go and read up more on that. If you have more information about Unniyacha, if you have more information about Vadakan particle, please, please tell us. Uh, mm-hmm. We love to learn more. We love when you guys engage with us and tell us like these things. In fact, even if you go to the museum that Raghavi was talking about, if you can yeah. get us, show us like pictures from there, because right now traveling is hard. But if you can help us, we will vicariously watch uh, through your pictures. That would be awesome. That's well. true. We would absolutely love that. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will see you on the next episode of Misconduct. See you guys. Mm-hmm.